It's wonderful to see you today and wonderful to begin the new year with you. As we start the new year here at Concord United Methodist, we're starting with a series titled uh, Loving Others, The Art of Welcoming. And we're, within this, we're looking at, God, how, how, how can we obey your command to love one another? And so many times in life, for me, I, I get overwhelmed with things and I think, oh, I've got to fix this and I've got to fix that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I don't know how this will ever get done and I don't know how this is ever going to be made right. And sometimes I think if Jesus could speak to me and calm me down at that moment, what he'd say is just, hey, why don't you love your neighbor? Why don't maybe you just do that and maybe I'll take care of everything else and maybe I'll put, put everything else together. So this is what we're focusing on for the next few weeks and it may seem counterintuitive, but we're beginning uh, with a sermon titled Loving Yourself. And the reason we're starting by talking about loving yourself is because you can't really love others without loving yourself. We think we can, but we can't, and we know we can't because we know those people in our lives who you've, you've been around those people who they're just miserable with themselves, uh, they're frustrated, they're ashamed with themselves, and so they're miserable to be around. They're miserable to everybody else. And some of you know those people, and some of you, including me sometimes, can be those people, right? Have you ever had a day you're just mad and it hasn't gone the way you wanted and you haven't done what you wanted to do and you wasted some time and you said some things you wish you wouldn't have said and you did some things you wish you wouldn't have done and you didn't do some things that you wish you would have done and then you find yourself at home and you're just miserable to be around. Like you realize that you are being snappy and miserable to your family and you can't, literally can't stop it because you just want to take it out on them even subconsciously when you don't want to consciously. We get, we get in these scenarios and what we want to learn to do is to break out of that. We want to learn to see ourselves in a different way. We want to learn to love ourselves so we can love others. And I want you to know that loving yourself isn't the same as self-care. Self-care nurtures the body and the mind, but love nurtures the soul. Now, self-care is good. It's important to take care of your body and your, your mental health, but our souls need something deeper. Uh, Self-care is great. It's, it's wonderful if you can get eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, it's wonderful if you can drink enough fluid during the day and stay hydrated. It's wonderful if you go and you get an extra massage. That's, that's all wonderful. It's wonderful if you take a tropical trip in the winter uh, to a warm location. That's wonderful. I, 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 reali I realize that I, I'm not at all old, but I'm getting older. And, and the way that I realize that I'm getting older is that uh, we have one car in our family that has heated seats. And uh, when it's cold, it used to be, uh, and, and it, ha it has three settings, right? Uh, and setting one is low, setting two is medium, setting three is permanent burns. <laughs> and I have found out that uh, five years ago, when I got in the car, especially if it's only about 40 outside or so, I'm like setting one is the most I can take and I can only take it for about five minutes. Now, now it might be 45 and I'm like three, three, three. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Also, I should point out, there is nothing wrong with going and eating a ribeye steak that is pan-seared and then finished over open flame, cooked to medium because God wouldn't want it cooked any more than that, and then has a big bit of garlic butter on the top. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something more than that that you need for your soul. There's something more than that, and that something more is love. And that something more is not just the love that you hear in the songs on the radio and the movies uh, on TV. It's the divine love of God, and you need that for your soul. You need to come to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. Because some of you, you've learned to see others as a Christian, right? You look at others and you're willing to forgive them because you try to look at others as Christ would look at them. But you haven't learned yet to do that for yourself. Some of you, you look at others as Christ looks at them, but you look at yourself as a dictator would look at you. And you don't forgive yourself and you're not honest with who you are and what you can do and what you can't do. And you're not honest about the help you need sometimes, or about the potential that you have. And so we want to learn to do that today. In fact, here at Concord United Methodist, we want to learn to do that every day. This is why we spend so much time saying, read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Be a part of the Bible reading plan, concordunited.org slash Bible. If you don't like the internet, go pick one up at the information center, a hard copy. Read your Bible every day. Be a part of the daily devotions. Be working on that relationship so more and more you can come to see yourself as God sees you because it's different. It's different than as the, the world sees us and there's a depth of relationship there that you can't get anywhere else. Now we wanna pick up today uh, with... Matthew 22. And this is Jesus. And he's got some people who've come to talk to him about religion, but they haven't come because they're really sincerely seeking God. Uh, they've come because they want to trap him. Uh, they, they wanna, they're, they're irritated with him. He's upsetting the political and religious power structure of his day. And they're there to trap him. So they grab a lawyer and they're like, hey man, this is your gig. Go get him. And they kind of shove him out there and they say, you, we want you to make Jesus look bad. Uh, we want you to convict him. Uh, we, we want you to prove that he's guilty of a crime in your conversation with him. And the man prepares and the, they come to this conversation. What's amazing? Jesus in this conversation provides some of his most important spiritual advice. Some of his greatest wisdom to a crowd of people who are insincere, who have evil in their hearts. He doesn't withhold even from them. He does not withhold. He will provide for us the depth of his mercy and his love and his wisdom, even when our hearts are wrong. And he shares this with them. And thankfully, because somebody was there to write it down, he shares it with us as well. So we're gonna pick up with uh, verse 34 of chapter 22 of Matthew's gospel. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, to test him, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, 
and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. So did you hear what Jesus said in that first commandment? He said that you shall love the Lord your God, that all love starts in that love with God. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But this being able to love your neighbor as yourself is based upon you loving God and having learned from God how to love yourself. And the funny thing is we go to these different places looking, thinking this will make me happy, this will make me happy, this will fulfill me, and it, it, it often doesn't. You know, there are whole sections now uh, in the psychology section of bookstores called happiness studies. It, it's an entire academic discipline now studying happiness. And so the things they're learning are fascinating. Did you know that your happiness level has very little to do with the square footage of your home? But did you know that your happiness level has everything to do with whether your neighbors are welcome inside your home and whether you are welcome inside the homes of your neighbors? If you live in a neighborhood like that, it doesn't matter if you live in the nicest neighborhood in Nashville or if you live in a, a country that is still developing where you don't have running water, you're gonna be quite happy. And if you live in a, a neighborhood where people don't talk to each other, it's gonna affect you in a, in, in a, different, in a different way. Well, wh wh where do we actually go to find that? Where do we actually go to, to find what, what will help us love ourselves? What will show us our purpose? Some of you are familiar uh, with the, le the English legend of King Arthur. Many of you saw a Disney movie about it when you were young and this young man and there, you know, there's a stone and there's a sword and he pulls the sword out of the stone and everybody cheers and he wins all these victories. And that's the awesome Disney part of it. And most of you uh, never were forced in school to read the book about him far enough because it's like 900 pages. You never had to read enough of it to get to the end of it. And the end of it is not like the beginning of it. It's not this young man with his bright sword, waving it around, going out, conquering the world, doing great things. The end of it is you find out that this young man grew into a, a wise old man. And he was a man who loved peace. And he wanted what was best for his people. But because he was a king, he had to often go to war. And this tore his heart apart but he sought to use his military power in order to create a more peaceful society. And for about 40 years, it looked like he had done so. Uh, things got better. Everyone got wealthier. Uh, the country got safer. People could move around and travel on the highways without being assaulted or fearing uh, for their lives or their possessions. And everything was getting better. He, he shut down a lot of the hierarchy and he created, you know, you heard of the round table. He created the round table so people wouldn't argue about having a, a particular spot at the table. But then you know what? There was still someone who didn't feel like they were getting as much as was deserved them. And that someone was his son. And his son organizes a coup and creates an army. And now this peace-loving king who's given his life uh, in order to establish a more peaceful kingdom is going to have to fight against his own son. And he almost doesn't have the strength to do it. He almost doesn't have the strength to go on, to get out of bed. And he gets a visit 
from someone you probably heard about in the Disney movies named Merlin. Now, Merlin's the old wizard. And Merlin is trying to give him strength for this one last battle that he needs to fight for his country. And Merlin the wizard says something to him. Now, don't you go telling your friends from other denominations that the Methodist pastor believes in wizards. Okay, this is a story. It is fiction. It's interesting. I just wanted to clear that up before I go back to my office and get emails, okay? Um, so, listen. Um, the uh, conversation between Arthur and Merlin. Merlin says something to him that the brightest modern happiness scholar uh, has no, you know, would be thrilled to, to have this statement attributed to them. Merlin says, no one finds happiness by looking for it. Happiness is a product of function. No one finds it by looking. It's, it's a product of purpose. It's a product of knowing who you are and living within that. That's, that's where it comes from. And that's true for us. You, you don't, we don't find happiness by looking for it. You only find it by discovering your purpose, by learning to love, love yourself uh, and live within the purpose for which this loving God created you. And to, to love yourself, you gotta have two things. The first thing is you have to know yourself. Second thing is you have to understand your purpose. So we're gonna start with what, what's it mean to know yourself. To love yourself, you have to know yourself and to know yourself, right, to know yourself, the first of the two things we have to do, knowing self and understanding purpose, to know yourself, you must know your creator, right? You have to know your creator to know yourself, who you really are and how you were created. Because a lot of us, we, we just, we just get, get off in this. We don't think that we were created by this loving creator. We think we were created by someone who made a mistake, we think that there's something terminally wrong with us that isn't wrong with other people. Uh, and we have these standards for ourselves that we don't necessarily hold other people to. Or we get in the opposite bit of we think we were created well and that we messed it up and that now uh, there's no hope for us. Uh, that this, this way we were created, this God does, isn't able to redeem us and, and pull us out of the spiral we've gotten into None of that is true. None of that is true. What is true is this about how we are looked at and how we are created. And this comes from John's gospel. This is John 15, uh, the night before Jesus is to be arrested and crucified, the night of the last supper, which we will celebrate today in, in Holy Communion. Jesus says to them, I am the true vine. Do you remember that when he said, I am the vine? Now listen to what what he, he says about them, we're gonna pick up with John, uh, with verse four. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for what you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that your jo- my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said over and over and over? It's so repetitive, abide in me. Abide in me, abide in my love as I abide in the Father's love. You abide in me as the branch abides in the vine. You have to abide in me. You have to be a part of this relationship with me. You have to be seeking me. You have to be talking to me. You need to be walking with me and allowing me to live in you and work through you. This is where it all comes from. This, this is our power source. This is where we learn to see ourselves uh, as God sees us. This is where we find the strength for everything life's going to, to give to us. Now back in the 1600s, our good friends who would later be known as Presbyterians, they got together at this little place in England called Westminster and they wrote this thing called the Westminster Confession. And they start out by asking, uh, what's the purpose? They call it the chief end of man. What's the purpose of man? You know, just a little small question. They're like, we, we want to get the answer down. And they said, you know, we'd like to get the answer contained in a sentence. If we could just condense it to a sentence, uh, that, that would be great. And you know what they came up with, which is, is pretty darn good. What, what they came up with, it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To enjoy God Have you ever thought about enjoying God? That you were created for that close, intimate relationship with God and to enjoy that, to find your purpose, your identity, uh, and your your strength in that. Because here's here's what I can tell you about 2024. Now, I, I can't predict the future, but I've got a pretty good guess that 2024 is going to give you some things that you're not prepared for. I've got a pretty good guess that at some point, 2024 is going to give you more than you can handle on, on your own. I went one time and was, was talking to a, a counselor, and I was asking him and, and pick, picking his brain, and he told me something. He said, hey, Will, think, of, and this man was, was also, he was a pastor and a certified counselor, just lots of wisdom. He said, Will, think of your personality and your mental health. Think of it like a table, right? And Tables are set up to bear weight and that's what they're supposed to do. But if you put too much weight on it, eventually that table's gonna crack. And he said, that's how almost everybody's personality is. You put enough weight on it, it's going to crack. And my question for him was, you said almost. You said almost everybody if there's enough weight. Tell, tell me about the almost. Tell me about the people you're not talking about. He said, well, there are just these few people and they've had so much weight put on them, but they haven't cracked. And the reason they haven't cracked was they learned how to offload that weight to God. And so what that pressure did was it just made them stronger. And he said, there aren't many people in the world like this, but occasionally you were run into one of them and you, you think it can't be real, but it, it is. And it's kind of like the difference if you're into building between a, a building built with nails and a building built with wood pegs. I bet none of you live in a house built with wood pegs. Uh, that would take much longer. It'd be much more expensive. But here's the thing. Uh, there are some communities in this country who used to build their houses with wood pegs because they couldn't get a hold of nails. And 
what they found out about those houses when the hurricanes came, when the tornadoes came, when the houses built with nails were blown apart, guess what happened to the houses built with wood pegs? Uh, most of the time, they were still there. You know why that is? When the wind hits a wood peg house and pulls and pushes on it, it makes the joint stronger because of the way they're interlocked. When it blows against a house with nails, it blows the roof off and, 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 it's, and it's done. It's, it, it's gone. There's a way to do that. There's a way to have that kind of strength and it's in that personal relationship with God and it's in daily cultivation of that personal relationship with God. And that's not just one good way to do it. That's the only way. It's, 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 the, it's the only way to, to do that, to abide in God. So I wanna invite you to read your Bible every day. I want you to invite you to pray every day. And I loved what Olivia said today. She said, sometimes we need to say things even before we're sure if they're true or we're sure if we Some of you, you need to pray even before you're completely convinced God's listening. And even before you're completely convinced that God is speaking back to you, you need to just start praying and give God that opportunity. Because I assure you, if you keep doing that, God will. And I assure you, in fact, God already is. Sometimes it takes us a long time to hear God. A long time. Sometimes we have so many other things blocking out God. So we need to learn to love ourselves by learning to know God and to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. And then the second part, to love yourself, not only do you need to know yourself, you need to know your purpose. And to know your purpose, you must hear your creator's call, that your creator has a job for you. Your creator wants you to abide in that love and know that if you never accomplish anything in this world, you are divinely loved uh, and you have divine and, and sacred worth but your creator also has a job for you. Just like your parents, when you were young, they just nurtured you. And then eventually they had jobs for you as they should, as you needed. God's, God's that way. Uh, God, God has a job. God, God has work for you to do. And some of us, uh, we've gotten mixed up about what our work is. Some of us think our work is to keep everybody happy. Guess what? At some point in 2024, everybody's not gonna be happy and you're not gonna be able to make them that way. There's a good chance on the way home from church when you're trying to figure out which restaurant to go to, everybody's not going to be happy, no matter which one you choose, right? And, you're not gonna, and if, if, that's, if that's what you think you were created for, making everybody happy, it, that, that means you have a good heart, uh, but, it, but it means you have a bad goal. Uh, and it's wonderful to care for people. But we, we just can't, we can't always do that. And, and some of us think that we were created uh, to get everything right, to be the people who, who get it right. Uh, and that's, that's wonderful. That means you're responsible. Uh, but if that's what you think you were created for, I guarantee you uh, 2024 is going to give you a time where you get it wrong and you get it real wrong. Uh, and that's, that's, that's not what, we're, what we were created for. Uh, and, and some of us, we think that we, whatever we were created for, we've just forfeited it because we've messed up too bad at this point in our lives and we're not, we're not gonna get an, a, another chance. And then comes this offensive God. Then comes this God who would forgive a thief on a cross and give him a chance. Then comes this God who would uh, take someone who is guilty of hate crimes and conspiracy to murder that we know of as the Apostle Paul who wrote 
half the, of the New Testament and say, you're going to be uh, the one who more than anybody other than me takes this message into the world. And that God shows up. So I want you to know you do have a purpose. Your purpose is to love others as you love yourself. And you do that in many ways. And uh, we all have our own ways we can do that. I want to challenge you today to embrace two of those ways. One, uh, I want to challenge you to love others by signing up for Mission Blitz. Uh, if, if you are here in person today, I know we have many folks uh, worshiping online. If you're worshiping online, you can actually sign up right now. Uh, I won't know that you're going on the internet. So you can go to the website, you can sign up. If you are here in person, I know you're healthy enough to participate. Because if you're healthy enough to get here on Sunday morning, I know you're healthy enough to participate. We've got over 20 projects. So you can find one you like. You can find one that's good for you that you can physically accomplish. You can find one that, that you enjoy doing. You can find three or four that you enjoy. Do that. Start the new year by signing up to serve others. Did you know sometimes counselors, when people come to them and people who are battling depression, sometimes they will actually prescribe service. They'll say, hey, you're living in your own little world. You need to get outside of it. Help somebody else and that's gonna help you. Sometimes that's the best way you can love somebody else is by, uh, or love yourself is by serving somebody else. And then I wanna ask you to do one other thing. Invite two people. Invite two people to church. Invite two people to Mission Blitz to serve with you. Because at this time of year, there are people who want to get involved. And there are people who want to spend this year seeking. They've made their New Year's resolutions. And one of their resolutions is, I want to get closer to God. I want to make faith a part of my life again. I want to make church a part of my life again. But, you know, a lot of people make that resolution. Not a lot of people keep that resolution. Just like going to the gym. Gym's going to be pretty crowded this week. It's going to be kind of crowded next week. It's going to be almost back to normal by February, right? That's how the gym's going to be. But there are a few people, there are a few people who they went back to the gym in January and they're still going to be there in December. And you know the difference about those people? They didn't go alone. They got some friends and they all decided to go together. And they decided to hold each other accountable. And there are some people, they really want faith to be a part of their life, but they need friends. And they need people who are going to be there when they show up at the crop drop to serve. And who are going to introduce them to, to other folks and help them have this community that holds everybody together. Right? They, they need somebody they know. There are people who really want to be a part of church, but they're scared to go to a place where they're going to walk in and they might not know somebody else when, when they get there. It's, it's not that they don't care enough about God. It's that uh, they're worried about what that experience might be like. And they need you to say, hey, would you come with me to my church? Hey, I, I, I'd love for you to come to church. I'd love for you to come to Mission Blitz. We'll go out and grab something to eat after, afterwards. And that's, that's what they need. Would you do that? Would you think of two people that you could invite to serve God, that you could invite to learn to, to know God with you? And would you, would you reach out to them? My favorite part of Mission Blitz is uh, when people come up to me and they say, hey, Pastor Will, I want to introduce you to. That is my favorite part of, 
of Mission Blitz because I see these faces and I see these people who realize that there's a place where they're wanted and there's a place where people want to know them and where they have an opportunity to contribute uh, and that where they have an opportunity to seek God and it's, it's an amazing thing. Would you be a part of making that happen for somebody uh, th- this year because you've come to see yourself as God sees you. You've come to know that you are divinely loved at your worst as well as at your best and that you are divinely called to love your neighbor as yourself. And whatever 2024 brings, however much strength we need, we have the assurance that it will be there for us because Christ is here for us and we are going to celebrate that in this meal where he promises to be present with us that we call Holy Communion, where we remember on his last night that he gave his life for us and before he did, he took bread and said, this is my body. He took wine and said, this is my blood. And he said, do this in remembrance of me and when you do, I'll be there. If you are someone that you're like, you know, I'm not sure about all this, this learning to see myself as God sees me, this learning to feel uh, God's presence and learning to interact with God. And if Christ is really here, I'm, I'm not sure about all that. I want you to know when you come, if you will come to this table intentionally seeking him, he promises he will be here. It might take you a while to understand how he's here. It might take you a while to feel his presence. That might not happen immediately. But you can be assured if you will come to this table, he will be here. He will be, all he said to do was do this in remembrance of me. And in the church, we have a lot of things that we're supposed to say before we take this meal. And every denomination has different special words their pastor is supposed to say. And those words are sacred and they're good. And I'm about to say a bunch of them. But I want you to know that all he said was in remembrance of me. And all you have to do to know that he is here and ready to encounter you, and ready to give you every bit of strength you could ever need, is you just need to come up here in remembrance of him. And if you'll just do that, that's enough. It's just enough. And he takes care of everything else. That's why at this table, you don't have to be a baptized Christian or a member of this or any other church. You just have to come in remembrance of him. You just have to come remembering, remembering your need of his grace to forgive you, uh, his love and his guidance. That's all you need. If you will come remembering that, then you are welcome at this table. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for giving us your son, who on the night before he was to be betrayed and arrested, gathered in the upper room with his disciples. And there he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as holy and living sacrifices, praying that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they might be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, sharing his love. One day, you will come in final victory, and we will feast at your heavenly banquet. And on that day, 
And every day until then, oh God, may all honor and glory, all power and praise be yours and yours alone. Amen. And now, will you join me in the prayer that Christ taught his first disciples as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.